Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I'm your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, and I'm so happy to have you join me once again on another episode of Fearlessly Authentic where we educate, empower, and inspire you. I bring guests on every single week who are going to educate you because I don't have all the answers to everything, although I would love to have the answers to everything every single day, but I don't. So I bring in wonderful guests that will enlighten you, educate you, and hopefully, like I said, empower and inspire you so you can live a fearlessly authentic life. So I just want to... Shout out to everybody around the world who's been listening to the show. I appreciate the love. I have to remember to ask you guys to please rate, review, and subscribe to Fearlessly Authentic on Apple Podcasts. I would love to hear from you. So please reach out. Would love to talk to you sometime. And also, I've been sharing every single week um, my journey with Sakara. So after I turned 60 in December, I decided that I wanted to go more plant-based with my foods and get away from the animal protein. And so in doing so, I wanted to Recording find in progress. a company that could prepare nutritious and delicious meals because the thought of preparing plant-based meals, you know, I'm not a good cook to begin with. So they are delicious. I feel completely different in my body. And I want to share a code that I have with you. It's for 20% off on your first purchase. It's XO Jody. So go to sakara.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com. Use my code XO Jody to save 20%. Okay. On with the show, I want to welcome my guest, George Niang, who is now playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. Woo! Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jody. I'm, I'm super excited. I've caught a couple episodes, and I think what you're doing is extremely empowering and awesome. You know, not too Thank many you. people do this. So I'm excited that you thought so highly of me to, to come on and join. Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you are a busy man. Um, For those listeners who do not know who you are, I'm just going to give a little bit of background on you, and then we can fill in the rest. So George Niang is a two-time first-team All-Big 12. This was at Iowa State. Two-time NCAA All-American, 2016 Carl Malone Award winner for Best Forward in the Country. Amazing. You were like... The greatest there, the GOAT, right? <laughs> something like that, something like that. No, I was, I had a lot of good people around me and um, I, I, I was lucky enough to be pushed by so many different people to, to work hard every day. So I was truly blessed. My mom always says it takes a village to raise a man. So mm-hmm. uh, I was lucky enough to have a lot of people around me to support me and push me day in and day out. I feel that. It does take a group of people to do that, um, but I want to I want to just finish your intro here um, because we've got a an important person here. Then you went on to 
play for, we're, and we're going to get into it deeper, to the Pacers, then the Jazz, now you're with the 76ers. Yes. Right? So yeah. let's go back to, um, you know, you've been playing basketball for how long? Oh, since I was five years old. So probably like 23 years now. Okay. So was this something you took to immediately? This was something you loved or did you ever feel like you didn't love what you were doing? Well, so here's the thing. When I was younger, I was so into sports. I always wanted to be active. Like I never liked playing video games. I never liked watching cartoons. I was kind of like that odd kid that knew every baseball stat or basketball stat, you know, being from Boston, it's a huge uh, sports town. So we had the Bruins, the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots, even the New England Revolution. So I was so involved in sports that I literally played everything from ice hockey to wrestling um, to basketball. Um, But I was telling someone this the other day, I said, you know, I would be out in the yard and my mom got me a basketball hoop and I'd get home from school, finish my homework and be out there till the lights, you know, my mom had to turn on the lights on the garage so I could still shoot. And then she'd tell me to come inside. And I never thought of it as work. I just was having so much fun, you know, playing basketball and doing, I don't want to say doing what I love because it was just, it was a hobby, you know, and you tend to love hobbies over time. And it never felt like work to me. It always, I was obsessed with how the ball bounced off the, the ground or the sound the ball made when it went through the hoop. If I could get like five swishes in a row and if I only got four, then I'd stay out there an extra 20 minutes. So it was just making like little progressions, um, you know, that were fun to me. It wasn't like it was, I was going out there and I, I need to be out here for two, three hours. Cause I think if you do that, you'll, it feels like work and you'll never enjoy what you're doing. I think the biggest thing is, be happy with what you're doing, whether that's picking up trash, being a lawyer, a doctor. I loved basketball and it was my obsession. Right, right. So I, I so agree with what you're saying that if it feels like it's work, then it's no longer, sometimes it's no longer fun. Now, when you, you know, get into the big leagues like you are, obviously it's a job and there's an expectation. So when you went from, playing in high school, playing when you were younger, going off to college, winning, you know, all of these championships and then getting, then going to the Pacers. Tell me what that felt like. Did you know at that point, like from your maybe freshman or sophomore year that you knew you were going to the NBA? Um, well, I have a long answer for, for you on this one. So bear, bear with me. No, go ahead. Um, when I was, Going into college, I never like I always wanted to play in the NBA, but I never looked at it as like I'm here to to go to the NBA. I remember my freshman year, I was like, okay, I just want to start as a freshman, you know. And then once I was starting as a freshman, I was like, okay, now I want to average X amount of points, or I want to win this, or I want to be all freshman team. And then my sophomore year was like, I want to make it, you know, to the Sweet 16 with my team. I want to be a big 12 all first team or second team then same thing with junior year and it didn't really occur to me that I could make it to the NBA to my junior year when you know people start talking like oh you have a chance you know to play in the NBA and then I was like oh like that's the next step so what I'm trying to get at here is I there was light at the end of the tunnel right I could see the end of the tunnel was my dream was to play in the NBA and that was the light at the end of the tunnel but I never was caught looking at the light at the end of the tunnel to the point where I trip over the roadblock in front of me. Like I was always looking at what was next. And that was the biggest thing that I feel like 
propelled me in my career is that I never looked too far. I always was looking at, all right, what's next? What can I do next? And the toughest part for me is when I got to Indiana is I only saw myself as making it to the NBA. So when people talk about like manifesting things, like putting, you know, pictures up on your wall so that you can see where you want to go. I feel like that's huge. Reason being is I only saw myself when I was like, I want to get to the NBA. I only saw myself getting to the NBA. I didn't see myself succeeding in the NBA. So when I got to the NBA, it was like, I got drafted and it was like, 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 I made it. I got there. I yeah, got there. It was it. You know what I mean? And I did what I, I did what I sought out to do as a kid, but little did I realize like, that's when the real work, that's when the job starts. That's when you, the, the real work starts. You have to work 10 times harder and set new goals and see where you can end up and have a vision. And my first year was tough. I didn't have that. And you know, You're saying you didn't really have the work ethic. Like in your mind, you had just, you got there, you reached the goal. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Sort of like, not so whatever, but maybe you didn't realize at the time that now, now I need to really work hard. Right. It was like, I, it was like, that was my, in my mind, I created that as my mountaintop when realistically, we, as we know in life, like, like you've had new challenges, you know, there's one challenge that you conquer. And once you do that, you're like, okay, now I have to Next. look celebrate it for a little bit, then look at the next challenge and go, go from there and go forward. And, you know, I was lucky enough, you know, that I had that realization after my first year, when I got cut, I realized like, wow, did I really just blow my only opportunity to play in the Mm -hmm. NBA? And you start setting goals and you wake up every day and you start falling in love with your own process and your routine where, you know, I'd wake up early and, you know, work out on the court, then go to the weight room, then come back at night. And next thing you know, you're just trying to stack consistent days and get 1% better. And a whole summer passes by and you're like, wow, like, look how far I've come. And you just become obsessed with the process of getting better. And your goals, you just seem to just check them off your list. Like six months feels like two weeks, you know, but when you're. Yeah, no, I mean, what you're saying is like an incredible work ethic. And to be that young, I mean, what were you, 22, 23 years old? Yeah. And to have that happen, did your mom, it sounds like your mom was super influ- influential in your life. Did your mom like hit you against the head and go, George, like, what are you doing? You're screwing this up. Or did you, did you realize it yourself or, you know, what was that moment like when you realized things were not really going the way you planned or you uh- yeah, you know, I think everybody has the moment where, you know, you appreciate being supported and loved. And when you're a professional basketball player, like everybody wants a piece of you. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. But, you know, I love basketball for the game of basketball. If someone told me that they would take care of my bills for the rest of my life and I could play basketball for the rest of my life, I would totally <laughs> sign up for it. Um, but it, it, it's the realization where, you know, people like seeing people achieve their dreams and it was my dream. And I felt like I had let people down. I had let myself down to just get to the point and not really finish the job. And that gave me a sour taste in my mouth. And it almost made me feel like I couldn't sleep. Like I, I wanted to make sure I was getting better every second of the day because I didn't want someone else to be getting better and to take my spot. Cause I just realized what it had felt like to have someone take my spot and take my opportunity. And I realized that opportunities aren't given, you know, you have to go out there and take them and make your own luck and create, 
your own luck, you know, and hard work right. creates luck. You, yeah, you have to work hard. And then there's a little bit of luck. You know, I experienced it myself with the things that I, you know, have had success with. And, you know, what you said a few minutes ago about getting to a point, setting that goal, okay, I want to play in the NBA, when you realize that it sounds like, you know, and this is when I when I competed in fitness shows, I had the blinders on. The only thing that I would think about when I walked on that stage is do your posing correctly. Obviously, don't fall on your butt, but like pose, do everything that that 40 seconds you have on stage, Jody, is the only time you're going to shine. I didn't think about winning. I never thought about winning. Yes, of course, I always want to win. But it sounds like you are very similar. Blinders on, blinders on, blinders on. You get there and then you go to the next level. Right. So when this happened and you you realize, okay, I might have just screwed up whatever opportunity I had. That's when you decided to amp up your game. Right. That's when I created a routine for myself. That's when I realized, like, I'm going to make the most out of every single day, every single second of every day, whether if it was sleeping, eating correctly, you know, getting more workouts in, you know, at a, at a, at a smart pace, you know, not overdoing it. Cause not you know, extreme. Some, people, some people treat it like they're cramming for a test and that does you more harm and it does you more help. Uh, um, but creating Explain a that. I like that you pointed that out. Explain mm-hmm. that. Well, here's the thing is if you can map out some time in your life, extended period of time where consistently every day you're doing something that helps you improve yourself 1% over like a six month period over a year is so much better than someone coming up to you and telling you, you know, cause you do fitness, Jody is someone telling you like, I want to do a 30 day or I want to do a 20 day, you know, fitness challenge and you do it for 20 days and you're just cramming for a test. You didn't learn any new habits. You're not changing your lifestyle. Like when people want to get better at something, it's not just a quick fix. It's a lifestyle change. And I'm sure you see that with, you know, helping people with what they're eating and getting them to show up to the gym multiple times a week. And right. You can't, it's, it's slow and steady wins the race. It's not that quick. It's not that sprint because you can't maintain that sprint. It's like training somebody for an hour. They can't maintain that pace. So you've got to just know what, what you need to do every single day and be consistent and be committed to that goal. Right. No, 100%. And you, like I said earlier, you just have to take every roadblock as this is a part of my journey. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to get over this roadblock. And once I get over it, I'm going to celebrate it for a little bit. And I don't mean a little bit as in like three months, two weeks. I'm thinking about like probably like six hours. And then you're going to look at the next roadblock and be like, how the heck am I going to get over this roadblock? So tell me what happened after you got caught. What happened next? Um, so after I got cut from the Indiana Pacers, I signed a, uh, how do I explain this? I signed a training camp deal. So that means I was knowing that I was going to go to training camp, which is like preseason with the Golden State Warriors. And they were going to cut me and were going to have me play with their um, farm league team. So it would allow me to play with uh, lesser talent, but I would have gotten more playing time and to sh- showcase what I could do, what I'd been working on. Um, so I had half a year with the farm league team there. And then I was signed by the Utah jazz on what they call a two-way contract, which is allows players to have 45 days 
up with the NBA team, with the Utah Jazz, but you spend a majority of your time still developing down with the Farm League team. And it, it was a one-year deal. So after the deal was up, uh, the two-way deal, I would be a free agent to where I could sign with any other team. So I'd be showcasing myself with the Farm League team for the Utah Jazz rather than uh, the Golden State Warriors, but I'd still have some opportunities to get called up and play with the big team with the Utah Jazz. So I did that for a year. I ended up making, you know, uh, all first team for the farm, the farm league. So that was a huge Congratulations. Step. Thank you. And uh, I ended up signing a three-year contract with the big team, the Utah Jazz, that I just uh, finished out last season. And um, it, was a, it was a journey. It was a journey. That I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you there were times that, you know, I didn't think I was going to be able to get through it or that, you know, I was fearful that someone else was going to take my job. Um, but there was one thing I remember. It was like halfway through this contract uh, you know, Will Farrell had some, I mean, uh, Will Smith had something on. Uh, this was when you were at Golden State. Uh, this one I was with, you know, Utah. So once okay. I had got a big contract, you know, you're okay. still paranoid because you've gotten cut before. You know what it's like when someone doesn't want you. So you never want to be there. So you're always trying to cover all your bases, making sure you're working your hardest and keep your day job. And, you know, sometimes you, you build up this sense of like fear where you don't want to be broken anymore because you know what that feeling feels like. And that holds you away from your true successes. So Will, Will Smith had a line where, you know, he, he, it was a video and he was telling someone, he was like, you know, uh, skydiving was the coolest thing that I ever got to do. And someone was like, why? That, that seems like so scary. And he says, when he got up there, you know, he didn't want to go skydiving. He was like, but once you're up there, you have to jump off. There's no coming back down with the pile or landing. So he was so fearful and didn't want to do it. And finally, you know, the instructor was like one, two, and then everybody knows how it goes before you get to three, they just pull you off. And he said, when he jumped out of the plane, it was the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen. It was like unreal, amazing. He couldn't explain it to anybody else, but it was just the most beautiful thing. And that's when he sat back and said to himself, he was like, you know, the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So people will not achieve their full potential just because of the fear of failing. And rather than taking it as like, I should run to the fire, I should run to failure because the best things in life are, are there and I'm going to learn so much about myself, people hold back because they don't want that uncomfortable feeling. And once I learned that, it made me realize playing, I wasn't afraid of playing in front of 18,000 people. I wasn't afraid of making mistakes. I was going to go out there and do everything that I had trained myself to do and live with the results. And, and that was the biggest step for me going forward. Because you didn't let fear, it doesn't sound like fear ever stopped you from reaching or going after your goals, but fear can be a very debilitating thing. And if you allow fear to stop you, I know that I've been stopped in my tracks by fear, which is why this show is called Fearlessly Authentic, because I've always been a scaredy cat. So as, as you mentioned, everything waiting for you, the rainbow, the sunshine, the beauty, the love, the joy, the fulfillment, the success is on the other side of fear. Because if we don't push ourselves, we'll never, ever, we'll, you have to always push through that uncomfortable feeling. Like you said, uh, you know, and going back to what I do, training people, the women and men who don't want to push through that uncomfortable feeling that they're about to vomit. They're never going to get to that next 
that next phase in life, they're never going to grow. And that's what it sounds like you learned by feeling uncomfortable, maybe being very humbled. Yes. Yes. No, 100%. I mean, humbled and just chasing after something that I, like I said, being cut and being not wanted is one of the most horrific feelings. You know, when someone tells you like, it's your whole life, my whole life, I've been told like, you're the best, you're great, you're this, you're that. And then someone tells you, you know, when you're 23 years old, like, hey, you're not good enough. Right. That feeling could have put a lot of people on the couch and be like, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to take the chance to have that feeling happen again. But I refuse to, to let that hold me back. And like I said, that Will Smith, you know, story really was huge in my, in my development to where I was like, you know what, like, I know who I am as a person. And I know what I want. And I'm going to put everything aside to make sure that I can get what I want, no matter what is ahead of me or what, what I'm feeling or fearing. I'm, I'm going to get through this and, and get uncomfortable or get comfortable being uncomfortable. being uncomfortable. So it sounds like there was a big mindset shift. Yes. Big, big. And you did that all on your own. You just dug deep or how did you, how did you get there? Because it's not easy. I've gone through many mindset shifts myself. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're constantly on your phone or looking for ways to motivate yourself, whether if it's putting a wallpaper on your cell phone or a picture of your favorite, you know, or, or your idol on your, on your wall, you know, you always are looking to find ways to motivate yourself. So I think the biggest thing for me is I was looking for ways to motivate myself. And I had come across this video of him, whether, you know, he came off a podcast or a a TV show. And I was like, wow, like that one really hit home. There's some that you're like, they motivate you for like two weeks and then you forget what, hold on, someone told me this, but this one was like, I remember seeing it and I was like, I, like, I felt like, I felt that. I felt like I lived through that. I felt like, you know, I could really relate through that. And that's the biggest thing, as you know, is like you want to be relatable when when you're talking to people, you want them to be able to relate to your story so that there's that connection. And I felt that connection and that connection through that story with Will Smith motivated me, you know, to live my life in a way that I wasn't going to let anything that I was scared of hold me back simply for the fact that I might be missing on, on one of the greatest things in life because I was scared to go pursue it. And exactly. I never exactly. So you went on to the jazz, they signed you on. And so walk me through that. What was that like to step up to the jazz? How did that whole thing work? Oh, it was great. So, um, you know, I signed a, a three-year deal with them, um, which was awesome. I mean, I was happy that I could make it back into the NBA, but in the back of my mind, I knew like, okay, now that I got back here, you easily can have that, you know, taken away from you. So I wanted to make sure that I could maximize every single day, whether if that was being the first guy to come in or the last guy to leave or just maximizing as much of my time on my craft and getting better and being, being better at, the, at basketball and being in better shape. Um, I was maximizing every day to do that. And I felt like I did that over three years, which – as you know, Jody, you know, the, the harder you work, the, the better luck you have and the more opportunities and choices that you have. It, it, effort equals success. Absolutely. I've never seen anyone put effort into something and not reach a level of success. Right. And it gives you choices. I mean, 
at the end of the day, someone that has a fork in the road with three forks in the road and all three of them are good choices. I mean, that, that's, that's what you work hard for is to have those choices of where can I go next or what can I do next or what opportunity can I choose to pursue? And, and that all comes from hard work, like you just said. So it was all about now taking everything that you learned physically, mentally, you knew that it was time to shine. Did you feel that pressure or were you like, bring it on? I got this. I am just so going to nail this. I am going to shine like, like I've never done. Yeah. When I look at the overview of, of my three years, I look at it as like, I had put so much time and effort in blood, sweat, and tears, whatever the cliche line is. I'd put so much time and effort into it that I was just like, okay, I'm just going to go out there and be me because I've prepared for this so long. Like, I've waited for this moment. I've proved so many people wrong at the lower level. Now I'm going to do it again at the higher level. And it's worked. And now that I realize that, I'm not going to change anything. Sure, I'm going to push myself to, to do harder and different things. But my routine, I'm going to keep the same. I'm going to make it a little harder every single year just so my, I'm just not adapting to the, the same routine. But I think the biggest thing for me is that I found an equation that works, but I'm not holding myself back from, from working harder. You know, I, I look to make my routine harder every couple months just to make sure that I'm challenging myself because after, you know, I made it to that point, I was like, you know, you prepare yourself, uh, what's done in the dark will show in the light. So when nobody's watching, that really shows, you know, what's going to show when the lights are on. And, and I never, I never heard that before, but I know, I mean, I have two daughters, they're adults and, we used to say that, you know, if your children misbehaved at home, they're going to misbehave, you know, as long as they don't misbehave at a neighbor's house, that's okay. But when they start misbehaving out there, it's the same thing. Yeah. But tell me what that is again, that dark, tell oh, me. I gotta... What's done in the dark will show in the light. All right. I love that. So it was probably, we have a, a minute until break. Um, it was probably while you were with the jazz and we're going to go on to the next phase in your life. And I'm excited to share that with everybody that looking at who you were becoming with the jazz, was it a very different person than you were in college? Wow. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think about myself three years ago and I think about where I am now and yes, they're two totally different people. And we will be right back. We're going to a break. So stick with us, everybody, with George Niang. We'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being. And the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. 
The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. And we are back. This is Fearlessly Authentic with my guest today, George Niang. And we are talking about how he changed his mindset, how how he just changed, you know, we all want to evolve throughout the years. But when you went from playing college, Iowa State, and being like everything you could be reaching every goal, winning every award, everything to now you're playing with Utah. And what, what are a few of the top three differences you see in the George in college and now the George playing in the NBA? Yeah, you know, that's that's a really good question. I would definitely say, you know, one would be routine and uh, the other one would be investment. And when I say investment, like someone made the greatest, how do do I say, greatest comment to me at one time and they were like, treat, you know, your body and your craft, like you're the CEO of a company, you know, and would you spend money to make your company better or would you just spend money to, you know, have a good time? And these are the sacrifices, you know, that I had to learn to make from college, you know, going into the professional world. And, you know, whether that was spending money on a masseuse or a chef or, you know, a trainer to come work with me or, you know, live with me in the summer to hold me accountable to work with me. Um, those were the things that, you know, I felt were, were big in my, uh, in my pro career. Being in college, you know, you're kind of just, you're there. Um, you know, I was good at what I did, um, but I was also having a good time. You know, I, obviously I took my, you know, my craft very seriously. I, I went to school. I graduated with a degree from Iowa State, but I also was the life of the party. You know, I was also out having a good time Friday to Sunday, uh, sometimes Thursdays. I'd, I'd have a good time. Right. And when you realize, you know, that, in the adult world, people have, you know, responsibilities and they're motivated by different things and kind of, you know, those habits that I had as a, as a college kid were, were kind of juvenile and you have to grow up at some point. Um, so the biggest thing that I changed, you know, was my routine and, you know, whether that was waking up and, you know, either reading, reading a book or. Yeah. So tell us about, tell me about your routine. What do you do? Yeah. What, and, and also, like, what did you what did you do maybe three years ago? And maybe what are you doing differently now? Because, again, we're going to you're going to continue to to evolve and change. Right. But what did you do to start getting into that routine? Right. So the biggest thing for me is when I first made it back into the NBA was, you know, I'd wake up and I'd make sure 
that I ate breakfast. That was that was the biggest thing for me. You know, my, me too. my room could be my room could be a mess. You know, I mean, the TV could be on, but I was making sure that I was going to eat breakfast. I was going to fuel my body, and I was going to get in an hour and a half before anybody else and make sure that either I got a lift in or I got some extra treatment on my body or some extra shots up, you know, on the court um, before practice started, you know, and then I'd come back and I'd already have lunch at the practice facility. I'd come back. I'd either, you know, have a physical therapy session, a a massage, um, or I would, I would make sure that I was taking a nap. Right. And so, so that it sounds was, like you were really practicing self-care. Like you were, you were really taking care of your body and your mind. Yes. No, 100%. And then, so the next year was, you know, a jump for me because, you know, I had to, I was starting to play more. I had to remember plays. I had to get to bed on time. You know, I really had to be, you know, mentally locked in. So as I transitioned into my second year, I really made it an emphasis to try to get to bed and get like nine hours of sleep. So I, everything that I just mentioned in my routine before, sometimes I'd go back to the gym, but I wanted to make sure I was in bed by like 9.30 or 10 o'clock every night, just to make sure that, you know, I, I'm cognitively, I was, I was there, I was locked in and I was ready to go. And then this last year is what, you know, really like organized me and, and, and set me apart. And it was just by doing one thing, you know, I, I hate like p- bringing out my personal life, but you know, I was organized in my own mind, right? You know, there's some people you walk into their office and papers are everywhere and they're like, Hey, where's that paper? And they literally lift up seven things and they're like, Oh, here it is. Like their mind. I was one of those people, right? My room could be a mess, you know, everything could be in crazy places. But when it came to basketball, like I could like, turn the switch on and be like, I need to be here. Like this needs to be here. Like da, 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 da. And, you know, there were some points when I was fatigued, um, you know, during a game or something where I'd have like a little bit of that slippage where, you know, I, I wouldn't be quite as on it as I usually was. So I decided every day when I woke up in the morning, like I was going to make my bed and make sure there was like no dirty clothes on the floor. Everything was folded. Like when, when laundry had to be done, I was going to fold my clothes, put my clothes away and just be more diligent in my organization, like throughout my life. And my third year going into my third year and I had a career year. I I mean, I'm not going to give all the credit to that, but it gave me the mental capability or stability to know when a task needs to get done, like just do it, you know, don't, don't look don't procrastinate, at procrastinate, don't procrastinate and, and have your routine. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, making the bed, something so simple. I'm terrible at making my bed. I don't do it. But when I do make my bed, I feel so much better because then I come back into my bedroom and it's like, it's organized. It's clean. It's like, I don't have clothes on the bed. It's, it's an organized mind gives you that organized life, Right. You know, so whether it's in, in, in your personal life or in business, so your your personal space, your bedroom, your house, whatever, is going to reflect the way you live the rest of your life. It's like getting that breakfast in, getting that workout in in the morning. It sets the tone for the day. Yes. No, 100%. And I think the biggest thing for me, it was like a mental domination thing for me. Mm. If, I, if I woke up and knew that I had made my bed, fold my clothes, before while someone's dragging to get into the door i'm like oh i'm i'm not even looking at you as my competition like i'm already four steps ahead of you because i did seven things 
before I even got out the door and you're just, you just woke up and rolled out of bed. Like you're not mentally here. And it's so true. So you were holding yourself accountable. You were being responsible for your actions. Yes. But Jody, let me tell you, it was, it was a struggle. Like I would okay. get in a rush and I'd look at my bed and be like, Oh, I don't want to make you, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of holding. I mean, one of the hardest things that we have as people is holding our, own selves accountable. And that's why, that's how I make my money is by holding, you know, helping to hold other people accountable because it is so hard. It is so hard to stay motivated. So what, besides everything else, you talked about why you wanted to be, you know, very, very organized in your mind and why you wanted to keep stepping up your game, stepping up your game. And you saw those changes reflected on the court so for anybody listening who's a disorganized mess, would you, what would you say the first thing to start with is just like something simple. I know this sounds really dumb, but just like make your bed. Yeah. I mean, right? that's how it started for me is it's actually a funny story. So I have a buddy who recently, you know, he stopped drinking alcohol, like, you know, just cut it off cold turkey and was big into fitness. And I had him come down and live with me, you know, while I was uh, training in the off season. And, you know, like I said, how every, I could turn my, turn everything on, but my clothes were everywhere. Like my bed wasn't made. So we waking up at six o'clock in the morning and, and he like peeks in my bed and I kind of like quickly, like kind of shut it. And he was like, time out, time out. He was like, you need to make your bed every day before we go and work out. And I'm not kidding. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. And he's like, no, you're going to go in there. We're going to do it now. Yeah. Ever since then, I mean, I've done it. And and you start to like train yourself, right? It's like, you start to look at things where you're like, if it's not organized, you're like, like, I can't look at my bed and have it not made and be like, I can leave my room without the feeling of like, I need to make my bed. And next thing you know, it's like, I can't have clothes on the floor. And next thing you know, it translates into like, dang, something just happened in my work life. And like, it's a little scattered. Let me organize that together. So it's more like I, I can focus on it. It's, it's easier to understand. And let me do that. And you start realizing that you're organizing subconsciously. You're organizing things in your life. And you're like, yes, man, like I got my schedule. I need to have this done today, this done today, this done today. So like now I'm texting people like, hey, um, am I going to see you today at 1030 for treatment or, and then I'm like, all right, what am I going to do at 1230? Next thing you know, I'm organizing my whole day. So instead of being reactive, you're being proactive. And the only thing we can take, you know, responsibility for is our own actions. So now you're going forward being proactive. It's such a much better place to be in because I've been in both places myself. And that reactive part is just a horrible, like, agita feeling, you know, where you're just always anxious and stressed out. So you spent three years at with the jazz, right? Three years. Yes. And so bring us up to date. What's going on? Your life, things changed on, what was it, August 3rd, August 4th? Yes, August 3rd. August 3rd, I signed uh, with the Philadelphia 76ers. So that was exciting. Um, so I Tell moved. me how that happened. So, um, you know, I was a free agent, so I was allowed to have any team come after me. And um, I was lucky enough that the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, which is a good team, they're going to, we're going to hopefully compete for a championship, you know, liked what I could bring to the table. And I liked 
you know, the things that they felt like they could use me for. And I felt like our, our views aligned in that. And I'm super excited to get down there and, and get to work. And so I signed with them. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, moved out of Utah and, and moved down uh, to Philly. And the season starts at the end of this month. So really? I'm, uh, well, actually, October 1st is our first preseason game. But training camp starts the 28th. So wow. I'm real excited to, to get things rolling, to say the least. That's great. So now, now that you've like leveled up, leveled up, leveled up, What's next? What's the next level? What motivates you? What's going to happen? What is your routine going to change? Are we? How do we improve what you're doing right now? Or what's yeah. your attitude about your whole routine now since that's very important to you? So my whole routine. So I told you that, you know, making my bed and being more organized was something that, you know, I did last year going into this year. And this year I wanted to make it a thing to be done you know, my on-court stuff, my treatment and my lifting by noon so that I had my afternoon where I could nap and then be able to get another session in, you know, at three or four o'clock rather than extending it out to, you like know, eight o'clock at night. Or eight and I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time get to sl- getting to sleep because I'm still wired from, from working out again. So this whole summer I woke up at like 6.45, ate my breakfast drove to, you know, my workout, knocked that out, then drove to basketball, knocked that out. And then by noon, I know this sounds a little spoiled for me, but I'd have like my chef prepare me like a meal where, you know, I could have a sit down and have like a hot meal. Like that was the goal by to have a hot meal and sit down and enjoy either a company with my chef or one of my friends or trainers. And, you know, just have that time to socialize and not feeling like I was being, you know, rushed or anything like that. Like I had accomplished my work. My work was done by my main foundation of my day was done by noon. And if I wanted to add to it, I had three o'clock to, to do so. And um, that's what I You're speaking to the choir. I mean, there's, you know, food is 80% of the way you feel. So by taking that time to eat and eating a healthy meal that your chef prepares for you, look, I I have the Saqqara meals delivered to my house and I eat them three times a day because I know how important proper nutrition is. And also sitting down and eating it and actually chewing the food, digesting, breathing, um, instead of standing or throwing it on your on your lap in the car and shoving food that's not even good for you and not digesting well. So everything that you're saying completely makes sense and is so good. And, you know, you don't have to be an MBA star. You don't have to be a personal trainer or coach to understand this. It's just something that you need to bring into your life to um, make your life better, make it healthier, make it so you're not, again, you're not being reactive. You're not stopping at Taco Bell. I don't know if you Taco Bell, but, um, you know, maybe you did at some point, but you don't anymore. It sounds like you're really, you know, eating the foods that are really important to you. Yeah. And that's why I get back to investment. Like whether if it's like with your organizational skills, the food that you're eating, the time that you're spending, like mental, mentally helping yourself out and taking care of your mental health, like invest in yourself. Like if all else fails, like pour everything into yourself and try to get the best out of you day in and day out. I think that's 
you mean important? A lot of people think that's selfish, though. You know, when we talk, we throw around the word self-care all the time, but investing in yourself, maybe that's another way to look at it where people don't feel that it's selfish. Um, I had a client a million years ago say to me, I felt like working out was very narcissistic of me. This is what she said about herself. Then she realized you know, how she was, how everything in her life was benefiting by the fact that she was moving her body resistance training, blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, I think that's so important to invest in yourself as much as you can. It doesn't mean that you have to have a lot of money. It's taking the time to walk, eat, sleep. And you mentioned sleep a lot. And I love that you did that because sleep is so important for us to function and produce on a daily basis, just as important as it is to exercise and eat. And is this your body? You're just listening to your body or do you have to force yourself to take a nap or go to bed at a certain time? Uh, well, when it comes, when it breaks into the routine, you know, I, I really think that, you know, it's something you listen to your body, right? And I'm tired. You know, I feel like this is the best for me. Sometimes you have to force yourself down and other times you're, you know, just like, wow, I'm, I'm really tired. The thing I try to live by is how can I be the best for you if I'm not being the best for me? So when people talk about, you know, being narcissistic or or being selfish, it's like if I want to be the best for you or be the best for the people that I care about or be the best for my job, I need to be the best for me. So when I need to do those, take force myself to take those naps, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about like, oh, I'm you know, I'm, I'm cutting out of this time or I could be doing this. It's more or less like I need, my body needs this so that I can be the best me for someone else. And yeah, you know, no, I mean, it's, it goes down to, again, you know, when you're on a, a plane and the first thing they say is, you know, there's God forbid a crash, you know, to put your mask on, wear your oxygen mask first, then take care of others. So if we can't be, Again, this is thrown around a lot, but if we can't be the best versions of ourselves, how are we going to take care of those that we love or, or you know, plan a team, like right. do well, succeed, or be our best version to, to create the best version of life for us? Because that's what we're all here for, right? 100%. And like, I'll put it to you like this, which I'm sure a lot of people that follow you understand if you're not taking care of yourself, Jody. How can you talk about helping other people? The reason that you can help other people is that you've poured so much time and effort into yourself that you know what it takes to the simplest form to help someone else out, which allows you to serve other people. And I think that's huge because if you can't pour into yourself and understand what your body needs, how can you tell someone else how to live their life, you know? No, I, I completely agree. One of the things that... um I wanted to ask you about was your minivan. I don't know if the minivan is still working and I never, I wanted to know about that. And, and um, you're involved in helping young children learn the game of basketball. Can you, you tell us a little bit about that, what you're giving to the community, which is beautiful. Yes. So uh, the minivan started when, you know, my, my first year uh, with the Utah jazz, I think I had an opportunity. I was barely playing and I had an opportunity to go up and dunk at the end of the game. And I laid the ball and, and someone was giving me crap uh, in the locker room. And I was like, whoa, 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 listen, like I'm not a Ferrari engine like you guys. I'm more or less like a minivan. You know, it takes a couple laps around the court for me to get going to, to full speed. And, you know, the sideline reporter found out about it and they took off and uh, ran with it. But uh, as for me helping kids, you know, I, I love uh, 
impacting, you know, children in a positive way. Reason being is I know how much fun I had going to basketball camps as a young kid. And I also realize how those memories stick in your mind forever. So if I can impact a kid in a positive way um, at any point, whether if that's traveling around um, the Pacific Northwest, you know, for the Utah jazz, when I was doing junior jazz camps and going to different places and, and doing a one hour clinics, to, you know, my uh, basketball camp in Ames, Iowa, um, every summer, you know, where I, we teach kids for a day, uh, the game of basketball. And I think sports and the aspect of team are huge in, in the cognitive development uh, for kids to realize, like, they're not in this alone. They're not in this life alone. And we can all do this together. And I think hard work and, and teamwork is something that needs to be preached, especially at a young age. I agree with you. I think team sports is so important. It's a life game. I mean, everything that you're going to do in life involves being a part of a group of people, you know, being part of a team. And if you don't learn how to do that, um, I didn't learn until I was older because, you know, well, actually, no, I was a cheerleader. So I guess I did. Um, We didn't compete, but we were we were part of a team. And I just think that is very important. So thank you for doing that for the youth. I think they need great role models and they do need to learn how to work together. Um, One of the questions I wanted to also ask you when we were talking about food is how often do you eat and what do you eat? What's your favorite meal? Ooh, um, you know, during the off season when, you know, I'm kind of eating, uh, less healthier, I would say breakfast is, uh, is my favorite. You know, I love French toast. I love, you know, omelets, you know, I, I love everything about breakfast, right? It's just, I could eat breakfast three. I could eat breakfast for every single meal. It's, it's, what uh, is it? I think it's a comfort thing. Yeah. I mean, waking up and I think it was waking up and knowing that up, oh, it's time for me to, <laughs> that I love, but uh, I feel the same way. When I'm training, I would definitely say dinner. You know, it, it's one of those meals that comforts me because it's like, you know, you crushed it. You know, if I can get to dinner, I know that I, you know, did my work throughout the day and it's the last, you know, thing on my mind that I have to do, right? It's the last thing where it's like, I can sit down and be like, okay, it's time to eat dinner. Like I can reflect on my day. I can have a good meal and I can sit down and just be happy that I achieved another day of, of me chasing after my goals and dreams. So dinner is my favorite, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm training in, in mid season uh, or during the season, but during the off season, I love, I love breakfast. I love waking up and being like, I'm going to eat this great meal. And then I'm going to, wherever the day takes me, there's, there's nothing planned. And I'm excited about that. Do you ever have time where you're just not thinking of the game where you just maybe have some, like, so what do you do to just kind of like maybe relief, relieve stress? Um, You know, I'm a big like experience guy, right? So I was in Utah. So sometimes just going on a hike, um, Mm -hmm. taking in the, the views that are priceless, right? You know, things that money can't buy. Um, But I love, my family and my friends. Um, so when it's the off season, you know, when I have some time, idle time off, you know, I, I either love being alone at a lake or, you know, love being around my family and experiencing the love and happiness that they bring me because, um, you know, being in professional sports is lonely. You know, you, you travel all the time. You're in a city that, you know, sometimes your family can't make it to, or you don't have any family in. Um, so when I get the chance to experience, um, experiences with them, uh, I take full advantage. 
So COVID, we have four minutes until the show's over. So we don't really have time to get into this, but COVID must have been hard then. Yes, COVID was so hard for me. You know, uh, in March, we had um, the NBA shut down. And, you know, I didn't want to go home. I was all the way out in Utah. I didn't want to go home and, you know, potentially get my mom sick or my grandmother or my family members because they were older. Um, So I stayed in Utah for four months. And then we had to do two more months down in the bubble um, down in Orlando where they allowed us to play, but didn't allow us to have any visitors. So that was six months away from my family. And uh, that was, that was tough for me. That was really tough because not seeing them for six months is probably the longest I've ever gone without seeing my family. Um, So when I got to see them after that, I soaked up about a month of uh, not doing anything. And then they're coming back a month later. So that was tough, but you know, you make the best with COVID, you know, you're thankful for zoom FaceTime, all those things, you know, I don't want to be someone that's a Debbie Downer, but things are tough in life, but you know, you got to find ways to get around them and, and make it work. And I'm, I'm truly blessed to wake up and, and do what I love every day. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same with what you do. Um, it's a blessing and, you know, you never want to give that up. You never want to take it for granted. So I, I, I try not to complain. Sometimes I, I, I do, but uh, I really love what I do and I'm so thankful. Well, I love that you feel so blessed. That's important. I think a lot of people don't don't give enough gratitude to the blessings that they have in life. So I wish you all the luck with the Philadelphia 76ers. Can't wait to see you play. And um, I wanted to ask you one last, very last question. What does it mean to you to live a fearlessly authentic life? Wow. That the toughest question comes last. Um, yes. What does it mean to me? Um, you know, being fearlessly authentic is chasing after your passion and what is true to you. Um, you know, like I said early on, you know, it may be scary, it may be tough, but being authentically you is what matters the most. So even if it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Even if it's the scariest thing you've ever done, you're chasing after your authentic self with everything that you have, no matter how scary it is. Uh, I think that's important. And I think that's how everyone should live their life. And that's what being fearlessly authentic is to me. You're, you're going to, you're going to get that happiness no matter what, no matter if you have to climb through seven layers of something or, you know, climb over a mountain, you're going to make it happen. No, I love that answer. Thank you so much for being on the show, George Niang. Good luck in Philadelphia. We all look forward to seeing you. And please, everybody, remember to review, subscribe, rate um, on Apple for Fearlessly Authentic. And thank you so much for joining me once again. And I'll see you next week. Again, George, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.